my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday and today is Thursday. I'm also presenting this week uh, on a Thursday. Most of our regular presenters have gone over to the uh, East Coast. Uh, they've gone to Avondale University uh, for a major ministerial convention. Over 500 pastors uh, all in one place at one time. Uh, can you believe it, uh, wouldn't you love to be part of that uh, that number? But they've left me behind. Uh, I'm I'm here in order to have the privilege of being able to minister to our, our Faith FM congregation and uh, welcome aboard. It is so wonderful uh, to have you uh, on board uh, with us. Uh, now this week uh, we're asking a question that so many uh, have have asked. Uh, this week we're asking if God is all loving and all-powerful, why doesn't he fix uh, the problem of pain? Now, this is a question that's been asked by both believers and unbelievers. It's an incredibly real question. Uh, do you know, even believers uh, suffer from some of the biggest injustices uh, in life. And uh, believers do ask this question. Unbelievers certainly ask it of believers. It's a question that we do need to have resolved in our own mind. Today, uh, we're going to ask one really significant question. How did Christ explain the problem of evil? Now, look, this explanation comes across just in a, in a matter of a few verses. I really appreciate uh, what uh, Christ had to say because to me, it's it just gives incredible hope, and to me, it's actually given me amazing understanding. I believe you'll really enjoy today's program. Now, today, my co-host uh, is uh, once again um, Pastor Brenton uh, Wilkinson. Now, uh, Brenton has moved, uh, just moved into retirement after most recently uh, functioning as the regional pastor to the Seventh-day Adventist churches in the southeast of uh, South Australia. And uh, it is wonderful to have Brenton with us once again. Welcome to you, Brenton. Thank you. It's good to be here and really looking forward to our topic for today. Oh, yeah, and we really That's appreciate really, really appreciate <clears throat> yeah, your uh, your feedback as well. Tell me, how are you enjoying the the sunny Adelaide weather out there? Well, I'll say one thing: it's warmer than it usually is down in the southeast. Um, in the southeast, in the middle of summer, you can find yourself wearing winter pajamas. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> not yes. as a regular feature, but it does happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, coming back to sunny Adelaide's been a good move in that regard, and. Um, there are times where I say to myself, the cool of the southeast would be nice, but um, 
I must admit... You're acclimatising again. Yeah, you are an Adelaide boy anyway. I am, so. I am, but I'm not missing the wind of the southeast. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. When the wind yeah. starts to blow down there, it can blow for a couple of days if it really puts its mind to it. I'm actually so, so thankful that we've actually got uh, today our air conditioner is working because yes, yesterday we had yes. a major problem. People weren't actually aware of it, but no. our studio decided our studio air conditioner decided to give up the ghost, and uh, I was uh, I was in here, and I think we had a a little bit of sweat running down our uh, our cheeks, uh, but thankfully today uh, our wonderful technicians have been able to come in here, uh, fix our air conditioner, and uh, I'm not uh, uh, I- I'm not struggling as I was yesterday. Neither am I. Yeah. Okay. Look, <laughs> let's good. let's All come good. to our <clears throat> World Watch segment. I love this World Watch segment because to me, you know, yes. there is so much that's happening in the uh, in the religious world that is just so applicable to the big wide world that we're living in uh, right now. Now, uh, this particular article actually came from uh, the Christian Post uh, just a, a matter of a week or so ago, and it concerns our friend Bear Grylls. Uh, and uh, the, article was enti- the article was entitled, Bear Grylls says faith is a key part of the survivor's toolbox, uh, and he laments fluff permeating the Western Church. And Brenton, do you know Bear Grylls? I know of him, and I've actually watched some of his shows on TV. They're intriguing, aren't they? He's been on Discovery Channel. He's been on other things. He's an ex-SAS man, and yeah, uh, yeah he's done some really interesting stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in, interested in that type of yeah, stuff. So, yeah, look, yeah. I think Bear Grylls would be just about a household name around most of Australia. Most Australians, yeah, 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 Bear yeah. Grylls. Is. Let me come to the article. This is what uh, uh, the Christian Post are reported. The survivalist and TV host is unabashedly open about his faith and how it serves as the foundation for living an empowered life. But he doesn't want to sanitize his message to make it inoffensive to a religious audience. And frankly, he doesn't have much time for the Western church culture either. I think, he says, Jesus would really struggle with 99% of churches nowadays, the 48-year-old British adventurer told Christian Post. All the masks, performances, music and worship bands and all that sort of stuff I don't think Christ would recognise a lot of that. Now, we're going to go further because he says a lot more. But, Brenton, look, I'd really like to get your feedback on those particular comments because, I mean, do you think Bear Grylls is is being too hard on the contemporary church in saying that? Possibly in one way. In another way, no, because remember yesterday or the day before on this program, we discussed... um, the issue of making um, a certain religious belief. Um, We ended up, we talked yesterday, I think it was, about the problems that the Anglican Church is going through at the moment and how they ended up not pleasing anybody, either the conservative wing of the church or the uh, progressive wing of the church. Okay. And uh, I, I think all the masks, performances, music and worship bands Performances, um, really the only person... Can who, worship become a performance, yeah, do you it, think? It can. It can. It can be so scripted and so um, sanitised. Right. Yes, it can become that. However, is it a performance? Really, only God knows that. 
Right, right. Really, right. God is the only judge of whether when you're worshipping, uh, whether it's with a band as a solo performer, and I've done plenty of solo performances, um, <clears throat> God is the only one really who knows. whether. Do you think Scripture has anything to say on this sort of stuff? Oh, it does, it does. Um, I mean, in Second Timothy, uh, we find that... Um, Paul talks about um, how in the last days people will have itching ears. They will gather to themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Now, I can give you, I won't quote his name, but a very, very well-known televangelist from America who many people watch and listen to, he was asked by a reporter what he's planning to achieve. What is his um, object? He has a mega church in America that has 15,000, 20,000 people attending it Mm. each Mm. Sunday. You know what his answer was to Mm -hmm. this particular hill? I'm here to make people feel good about themselves. Wow. Now, now is that part of the fluff that uh, Bear Grylls is talking about? Quite likely it is. Yeah. Because um, we go to church not to hear pious platitudes, we go to church to worship God. We go to church to recognize again how sinful we really are and how much we need a saviour. They're, they're the issues that for me are important. So in a way, he is a bit too hard, but in another way, with the way that the Christian church, particularly the Western Christian church, is trying to accommodate and become inclusive in all areas of life, not just inclusive in lifestyles, but inclusive in a whole heap of areas yeah. of life. I'd probably Are they be... losing it? Because Revelation tells us that we're rich and poor, blind and naked, and we think that we're rich and increased in goods. And that's Revelation 3, uh, talking about the Laodicean church, which we believe is reminiscent or not reminiscent. We believe it refers to the last day church. Yeah, the, before Christ returns. That passage that you mentioned there is actually very significant because, you know, John uh, is talking about this church of the Laodiceans. And sometimes I've certainly looked at it and I've sort of said, hey, look, that is so reminiscent of so many contemporary churches. Uh, you be. say, yeah. I am rich, I've become wealthy, I have no need of nothing. I hope Bear Grylls doesn't get hold of, uh, of this passage because <laughs> he will really uh, share it. And yeah. I believe he shares it as it is, does. as does the Apostle. John in this particular passage here. I counsel you, uh, you you are uh, poor, you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, says the uh, Apostle John to the Laodicean church. You know, the thing that interests me is that it is physically possible to actually have a church that is got Christ on the outside. And the picture of this particular church is Jesus knocking at the door, standing in. on the, uh, on the outside. Come but look, in. let me just keep going on this yeah. article because no, I'm no, getting, no. I'm starting to preach a sermon. I don't want to preach a sermon just <laughs> yet because I've got more to, uh, more in this article. Uh, he expressed, this is Bear Grylls, expressed his distaste for what he called religious language, sanitizing messages in such a way where people can't be honest, can't express out and can't fail. Uh, the church, he said, is a place to have doubts and questions. Strong statement. It's this kind of honest, zero-fluff approach to life that's made Grills a worldwide sensation and one of the most recognised faces of survival in outdoor adventure. A former special 
uh, Forces soldier and Everest mountaineer. He starred on Discoveries, Man vs. Vo- yeah, Wild, yeah, mm. and hosted Running Wild with Bear Grylls on the National Trail. Geographic Channel. He embarked on countless dangerous expeditions called uh, Scaled Mount Everest, Eaten Snakes and Spiders, and even survived a freefall parachuting accident in Africa. His books, which range from survival skills, handbooks to fiction, have sold over 15 million copies worldwide. Now, look, let me come to the pas- to, to the to the commentary in uh, this particular article uh, by uh, you know it's yeah, in the Christian right. Post, yeah. um, and uh, he's commenting on faith here. And I really would like to get your feedback on uh, on this comment. He, um, faith, he said, is the most critical part of living a strong and empowered life. I think we neglect our spirituality at our own peril, he said. If you've got that connection to the Almighty, everything else is window dressing. Spirituality is such a key part of the survivor's toolbox. I say arguably it's the number one thing. If you get that right, everything else is bearable, possible and achievable. Mm, He pointed out that throughout the Old and New Testament, biblical heroes from King David to Daniel to John the Baptist dealt with their mental battles through a close connection with a God. The solution is always found in connection with the Almighty. There is always a struggle. There's always hardship, but there's always faith, and faith always wins. Faith conquers everything. In terms of preparing us for life and keeping us mentally strong, faith is always the key. Now, I really, as I read this, I'm sort of saying amen, amen. I really appreciate what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he reflects on is this issue of, of spirituality. He talks about, uh, the, the issue of the importance of spirituality. Now, look, I just would like to define that word just a little bit because sometimes I'm conscious that it's thrown around, uh, a lot more than, uh, certainly what I'm comfortable with. It certainly goes to, you know, to an extent that I, I I start to struggle with what people mean when they talk spirituality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, Brenton, what is spirituality to you? To me, spirituality is my connection with God. Now, it's interesting that um, he uses this here. You just read it. I think we neglect our spirituality at our own peril. If you've got that connection to the Almighty, so spirituality correctly um, defined is a connection to an almighty being. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Otherwise, it's not spirituality. Spirituality then becomes an internal process mm-hmm. whereby I refine, define, and become better and better and better. Some people might describe that as spirituality. I believe spirituality is connection to God because by being connected to God, he is the only one who can change me. Okay, I, you know so the, the reason I think comes from above rather than from within. I think the reason this is so important is because I've actually heard people say, "Look, I go to the football match, and in the football match is where I I have an, a, spiritual a spiritual experience at the football match." And yep. to me, I look at that and I say, "Hey, that is to what extent is spirituality 
connected to things. I mean, for example, spiritual practices. I mean, one of the things that I really love doing is being able to spend time in, in prayer. In yes. I, I like being, you know, to me, I find I find it blesses my day when I can spend you know, 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of the day in prayer, when I can uh, spend time reading the Word of God, when I can spend, you know, that time, you know, it's something that, Builds my spirituality. Do you yes. find that, or yes, I, I do find that because, as I said earlier this week, um, my approach is to take the Word of God in a book that I think I mentioned earlier in the week called Desire of Ages. Look up a chapter in it, read the scripture first, and then read the chapter, mm. and put myself in the place of the person that the chapter or people that the chapter is talking about. Okay. And I believe for me, and uh, I I know for others who I've shared this with and suggested it to, it's actually the best method that I have found of having personal communion with God. Okay, all right. But you've also got to take time to listen. It's not just a case of reading it, uh, reading the chapter, having a prayer and saying, that's it, off we go. You actually have to spend time meditating upon what yeah. You have read. Was it Martin Luther who said that in his busiest days he needed to spend three times as much time in prayer? Something like that. I believe that, that, that does that go. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's very true. Let me just one last question because we do need to move on. Yeah. Look, do you need to attend church in order to be spiritual? Because I heard, I've heard so many people say, look, you know, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't go to church. Do I need? I mean, are the two connected? Yes, I think they are. Um, I think it was John Donne who said, no man is an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that spirituality, in order to be effective, has to be able to reach others. It has to have an influence. And where do I get that from? I get it from Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's Matthew 5, about verse 19. I mm-hmm. haven't got my Bible open at the moment, but pretty certain it's around that area. Um, you are the light of the world. Then he says, you are the salt of the earth. Um, now, salt can't. Salt is used to flavour things. Salt is used to preserve things. Yeah. Light is used to point the way, the direction. Mm. Now, it's pretty difficult if you're a spiritual person and a spiritual person to yourself to fulfil either of those requirements. And I would say that you probably need to question your spirituality question the source of where it's coming from and where it's going and what is that spirituality that you claim you got what is that going to do for others Mm. because if it's not doing anything for others i think it needs to be questioned yeah yeah brent one of the passages of scripture that i really appreciate is hebrews chapter 10 Uh, it certainly says this let us consider one another in uh, uh in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, yes. as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, that passage to me sums it up just Pretty so powerful. well. It is, you know, Paul is saying, hey, there's a problem. Even in his day, there were people who were spiritual, yes. but <laughs> apparently they had started to keep themselves away from the body of Abs- Christ. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I really appreciate, uh, Brenton, is being able to... Um, Minister to and have others minister to me in a community of faith. I I agree with that. However, I would suggest this. A church, I said this yesterday, I conducted a funeral yesterday. 
uh, down at uh, Centennial Park, as you and I were discussing before the program yesterday. What was interesting is I made this statement in the service. I said the church is a microcosm of society. Yeah. Yeah. You've got people in the church who are well-off, well-educated, perhaps have everything that the world desires. You have people who are down on their bare bones, mm. backsides, mm. Um, people who are suffering serious mental health challenges and yep. other issues. Yep. Yep. All of those. Now, by attending church, you learn, however hard it is, how to interact and how to become compassionate. And how to minister to them. And how them. to minister to them rather than say, oh, not them again, go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe if you, your spirituality confines you to yourself, you miss all of those opportunities. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Brenton. Okay. Look, let's come to some music. This is uh, uh, the, the music. This is Faith First, uh, Where There Is Faith. Please, uh, please enjoy. One of my favourites, that one.
that was Faith First, uh, Where There Is Faith. Beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, really, uh, love, uh, the, uh, both the words and the, uh, uh, and the tune of that, uh, that song. Incredibly powerful. Folks, look, we do have a giveaway, uh, DVD for you, uh, today. And this is entitled The Cosmic Conflict, uh, DVD. And this talks about the origin of evil. Now, this is not a book. This is a DVD. Um, this DVD is about 40 minutes long and it's put out by Pastor uh, Doug Batchelor and the Amazing Facts uh, Ministry Group. It's a wonderful, wonderful CD. Now, look, if uh, DVD, if you would like... Uh, to uh, uh, to get hold of uh, of this book, it's a spectacular uh, journey uh, back through time. It traces the transformation of a perfect angel into Satan, uh, how he became the arch demon, and how he led an army of angels in revolt in heaven. You witness on this video the creation of a beautiful new world and feel the suspense as the devil brings the planet to rebellion. You look at the temptation. And you consider the impact that this has had on all of humanity. Where does pain and suffering and heartache and disease come from? Well, Scripture actually gives some incredible uh, suggestions uh, to resolve this uh, this particular question. Now, look, if you would like your own copy of The Cosmic Conflict Origin of Evil DVD that runs for about 45 minutes, uh, then look, uh, please text us uh, at uh, our drive time number. Now, our drive time number is 04-888-808-11. And all you need to do is in your text, just send the code. Now, the code is SA102, SA102. 102. There's no gap between the SA and the 102, just five digits uh, in a row. Now, what that will do is that that will trigger our friend the robot. Uh, our uh, robot's name is uh, Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Or you might get hold of Faithful. Sometimes he goes by one, sometimes he seems to go by the other. I can't work out uh, whether we've got two robots uh, or they keep changing the name just to confuse me. Uh, but uh, uh, Pilgrim or Faithful, uh, he will, uh, he will, our, our robot, he will uh, contact you, ask for a few uh, details, your name and, and where you live, uh, so that we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest uh, way possible. Uh, that DVD again is Cosmic Conflict, uh, The Origin of Evil, put out by Amazing Flax and uh, presented by Pastor Doug Batchelor. And the code that you need is uh, SA102. And I believe you'll be richly blessed. Love to have you, love to give you uh, this uh, particular uh, this particular DVD. Uh, now look, uh, folks, um, uh, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is uh, Brenton Wilkinson. Now, Brenton has just moved into retirement after functioning as pastor in the southeast of South Australia, certainly for the last uh, three, years, three years, and Gary. then uh, for a number yeah. of years before that at um, miscellaneous other churches. Around Adelaide. Around and, uh, Adelaide. The Adelaide Hills. So yeah. Brenton comes to us as a really experienced pastor. Now, so far this week, we've been addressing the question, if God created a perfect world, how did it get so messy? Uh, Then uh, we looked at this issue of uh, the problem of pain. How did it come about? Uh, We looked at uh, uh, we looked at the problem that we encountered with sin and everything that came about as a result. Now, Today, 
we just want to come to a short passage of Scripture and ask the question, how did Christ explain evil? Now, many people don't actually realize that Christ told a story that actually answers that uh, question. He did. Uh, now, to me, this is a powerful little story. Now, look, I'm just wondering if I can just start, Brenton, maybe by just reading this, uh, yeah. this, this parable. And then I've got some questions I'd like to sort of throw uh, to you. And, uh, of course, this is found in Matthew's uh, Gospel. And uh, it's chapter 13. We're kicking off at verse 24 uh, down to uh, uh, verse 30. And this is a parable that Jesus uh, told. Now, let me just uh, read it. So you may not be familiar with this, uh, this parable, but let me read it to you. Another parable, he, that was Christ, uh, put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went on his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a prop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? And how then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat that is with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, Breton, this to me is an incredibly insightful parable that Jesus told Mm. to his apostles that I believe goes some way to answering this question that uh, we've been asking this week. Now, I just noticed that, uh, you know, you've got this situation here where uh, the kingdom of heaven's like a man, he sows good seed in the field, he, while he slept and enemies come, he sowed tares amongst him. The, um, the, uh, the, the workers in the field are perturbed and they hit with three questions and these are the three questions I'd like to sort of throw your way if I if I possibly can and um, the first question is sir did you not sow good seed in your field now that's it's it's sort of a rhetorical type of question in a in a way yes yes so okay. what we've got here is a a rhetorical question did you not sow good seed in your now, back at the very beginning, what's the story that that reminds you of? Genesis chapter 1, God oh. saw all that he'd made and behold, it was very good. Okay, and we talked Genesis about this 128. on... 128. And we talked mm. about this on what day? Ooh, Monday, wasn't Monday, it? the very way first day of the week. Monday. Way back on Monday. We <laughs> talked about a perfect world being being created. How would you like to have lived in that world? Very much so. Yeah. Very much yeah, so. Yeah. You know, to me, as I look at uh, the way that uh, that original world is described uh, in the book of Genesis, I stand and I look with awe. Uh, you know, we have got, yeah. uh, we have got, God has created, consider the things that God has created. He's given, he's given gifts yes. to, um, to humanity. Now, you know, I, I think of the gifts that he's given. You know, he, he gave a gift, uh, a gift of relationship. Yes. 
What was that? What do we call that relationship? Worship. Worship? No. The worship back there, it's the relationship of marriage. Way back yes, there at the yes, very beginning, marriage. what yeah. we find is the perfect God gives three wonderful gifts to humanity. He gives them this gift of relationship or marriage. He gives them the gift of rest or a Sabbath day. And he gives them the gift of freedom. You know, I love a God who's prepared to say to us way back at the very beginning, I am giving you gifts. I'm giving you perfect yes. gifts in the garden. I'm giving you things which I, as the father, I just want to give you. I, yes. you know, I mean, to, to me, some people say to me, hey, why did God uh, give the Sabbath day? He gave it because he knew that humanity Rest. needed time off. Why yes. did he give marriage or relationship? Because it wasn't good that man or woman be alone. Love needed to be shared. Love <clears throat> needed to be shared. That's it. And which are the ones that Satan has attacked? Marriage? Yeah, marriage, the Sabbath, Sabbath, and also, you know, the third gift that was given in the garden was the beautiful, beautiful gift of freedom of choice. Do you know, to me, freedom is just so important in our lives. We have mm. a God that says, I want you free, but the problem is freedom comes at a, with, price. at a price. It comes with consequences. Absolutely. But, Brenton, look, let me come to the second question sure. here in this parable. Mm -hmm. yep. Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Yes, 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 he did. How then does it have tares? Brenton, how did we explain that? Well, the answer is actually found by the comment that um, the sower actually says. He mm -hmm. says an enemy has done this. But notice when it takes place in the parable, if you want the parable to, shall we say, stand more on all fours, the parable is based on the fact that the sower went out and sowed, but when did the enemy come and sow? At night, mm. while people were sleeping. Mm. Now, we've been discussing this week about Satan being the father of lies. Yeah, We've been discussing about the fact that he is the master of deception. Yeah. This parable actually backs it up. Yeah. He doesn't come during the daylight mm -hmm. where, the, where the workers in the the field are around. Yeah. He comes at night. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone's asleep. And that's when enemies and, come, uh, isn't it? It's interesting the the um the Greek in this is is rather interesting. The, I don't know the exact Greek words, but the sense is that the enemy comes in and sows over top of what was granted. Yeah. So yeah. over top of yep. what was granted. Okay. Okay. What was planted, sorry, not granted. Mm. What was planted. So the enemy comes in during the night when everyone's asleep and sows on top of it. Mm. Then when it grows up, you've got both. Mm. Now, I said to you off air, and it's rather interesting, if you want to look at this from a purely agricultural point of view, mm. there is a plant called darnel. Mm -hmm. Darnel looks exactly like wheat mm -hmm. in its early phases of growing. Mm -hmm. It is actually poisonous. Mm -hmm. 
if you actually eat the black seeds, they can give you diarrhea, vomiting, hallucinations, Mm -hmm. and various other things. Mm -hmm. In the Middle Ages, it is believed that people used to grow darnel Mm -hmm. along with the wheat Mm -hmm. because they used to to put it in beer Mm -hmm. to give it more kick. Mm -hmm. They used to put it in bread to give it more punch. Mm -hmm. But Half the time they were out of it. They were semi-intoxicated all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, this is really interesting in terms of, of, of the parable because it seems on the face of it from the way Christ is telling this parable, you come to a point where the workers are beginning to recognize the difference between the wheat and the tares. Otherwise, they wouldn't be They recognize doing, that there yeah, is a difference. They recognize there is a difference. So both – the wheat and the darnel must have grown to a sufficient level that mm. they go, hey, we didn't put this in here, or you, Lord Master, you didn't put this in here yeah, yeah, at the start. Yeah, yeah. How come it's here now? And 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 the Master's answer to me, I think, is very an interesting. Answer. An yeah. enemy has, has done, done this. this. Now, to me, this parable is saying a lot to us who uh, who live in the world in which we live. You know, God has created this perfect, wonderful he world has. at the yep. beginning. He's given beautiful gifts to humanity. But then, according to this parable, an enemy has come along and sowed seeds into the field. Yes. And up has come all manner of what's called weeds. Now, to me, I look at this and I say, well, what are the weeds in our world today? Well, pain and suffering, suffering. heartache and disease. You know, yeah. I don't know how you find it in ministry, but, you know, um, ministry can be in uh, – it's wonderfully rewarding, but, you know, there are times of incredible depression when I have to minister yes. uh, to people who've had uh, – facing death in an untimely it, manner. It's draining. This is, it's, it's it's very, very draining. Uh, as I said earlier in the week, I have spent a significant amount of time as a hospital chaplain before I went to the southeast. And I've often, like yourself, sat around the bedside of people who are terminally ill. Mm. It's you, you can sense that they're struggling to hold on to life. Yeah. And what do you say to them? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, these um, these are the issues. This is where the big questions get asked, isn't it? Um, yeah, you, we have touched a lot this week on um, perfection, how God created this world mm. perfect. I don't think we need to forget what we discussed yesterday on the mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Satan or Lucifer, as he was known in heaven, was also perfect. Mm-hmm. But he there was a he wasn't, cre- he wasn't created defective. Mm. He was created perfect. Yeah. But by choices, he fell. Yeah. yeah. And those choices he has passed on to the human race in the form of pain, suffering, and death, yeah. to name but three. Yeah. But they're the three major ones. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, to the unrenewed heart, the most natural thing to flow out of the most of the unrenewed heart are things like anger, selfishness, yes. covetousness. Yep. Uh, these are self-centered all self-centered. Yes. These are negative emotions that naturally come out. You know, for God to actually resolve the trouble, the issue of pain and suffering, it's so easy sometimes to say, look, just let him push the button 
and resolve the issue. But the reality is, is that yes, he might be able to push the button with maybe Adolf Hitler, but how does he resolve the issue with that is deep within the heart of every person who sits on the internet? And you know, this, what Christianity is actually doing, what God is actually doing in the process that he has put in place is resolving that bigger issue that is so cutting in our world not just the big issues but those little things that uh, that we all struggle and suffer with yeah there's there's some interesting perspectives on pain one of them that uh, comes to me and i've discussed this with other ministers and with other people is this i'll try and make it as succinct as i can sometimes people who are suffering are told that this is helping to develop their faith. Hello? <laughs> Just how do you respond to that? Because that's very true. I mean, how, do you, re- how do you respond to that? Uh, what do the Scriptures say? Well, Scripture doesn't necessarily agree with that. Let me share with you Luke chapter 13, verse 1 to 5, where two stories are told. There's the story of a massacre that Pilate carried out on Galilean pilgrims mm-hmm. who were worshipping at the temple. Mm. He sent his... Um, we don't know the exact circumstance. We don't know the exact instance. He sent his soldiers. He sent his soldiers in there and they massacred these people. In other words, their blood was mixed with the blood of the sacrifices yep, yep. they were doing. And the second story was a tower that was being built in Siloam, which was probably on the wall of Jerusalem, which collapsed yep. and killed 18 people, we're assuming. Yep. The 18 were probably workers or people yeah, yeah. who were associated with the construction site. Christ's comment at the end of all this is, do you think these people were worse sinners than anybody else? I tell you no, but unless you likewise repent, you will also perish as well. Then in another place, he told in John chapter 9 verses 1 to 3, he told, told a story about a man who was born blind. Mm. And the, the You can imagine the disciples, all 12 of them, clucking, cluck, 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 clucking to themselves, who sinned, Lord? This man or his parents that he yeah. was born blind. Yeah. Do you know what the uh, Talmud, which is the Orthodox Jewish, you could say the Orthodox Jewish religious belief system, had two interesting comments. There is no death without sin, and there is no suffering without iniquity. The second one is the sick man. There is no suffering without, without iniquity. iniquity. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, latch on to that one. The second one is suffering is in... Um, inflicted by Satan and is overruled by God for purposes of merit. I like that, but going up to this one, a sick man does not recover from his suffering until all his sins have been forgiven him. Now, now this, these are actually important quotes because, you know, Brenton, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that, um, you know, one of the questions I've often heard people ask is, you know, what have I done? To, to deserve, deserve this. this. And of course, the, yes. and the answer is, you've done nothing to deserve this. And what did Christ say in regard to this? He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned yeah. that he was born blind. In other words, pain and suffering, heartache and disease actually are part of the human condition at this particular point in time. Now, Christ, according to this parable, is working to resolve that, yes. but the work to work to resolve it, it, it is actually a process. It's a work in it's, progress. It's not a punctilia event. Mm. No. There are some things, and we're going to explain why 
as soon as we come back from the break. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just go to some music. This is uh, uh, the day approaches. Beautiful, a beautiful song. Please enjoy.
And that is the day approaches. What a day that is going to be. How much I'm looking forward to that day. Uh, what a magnificent day that will be. Folks, we do have uh, that giveaway DVD uh, that we would love to put in your hand. Uh, now, this is a real little ripper. It's put together by Pastor Doug Batchelor, uh, who is a master uh, communicator and the Amazing Facts organization. It's entitled Cosmic Conflict, The Origin of Evil. And uh, this uh, this particular book uh, takes a spectacular journey back through time and traces the transformation of the perfect angel uh, into Satan, the archdemon, and how he led his angels uh, in revolt in heaven. It looks at how that was transformed to this earth and the impact that uh, human the human fall has had on all of humanity. It looks at the in- introduction of pain and suffering and heartache and disease. Look, so many of your questions will be answered in this particular DVD, Cosmic Conflict, The Origin of Evil, by uh, Pastor Doug Batchelor and the Amazing Facts Organization. Now, look, if you would like this particular um, DVD, what you need to do is to text us at our studio text number. Our studio text number is 04-888-808-04-888-808. 80811 and just text us the code for today and the code for today is uh, SA102 and uh, uh, this is a real little a real little beauty. This is something really fantastic. Uh, and uh, SA102, and uh, we will send you. You'll actually talk to our a robot. Uh, he'll ask you for your name and your address, uh, and that uh, will enable us to get us to you in the fastest way possible. Um, so SA102, just text that to 04888808811. I believe you'll be richly blessed uh, by uh, this particular deal. DVD. Uh, now, welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson. And Brenton has just moved into retirement after many years in ministry. And this week we're asking, if God's all loving and all powerful, why doesn't he fix the problem of pain? Uh, and today we're simply asking, how did Christ explain evil? Now, look, Britain, we've been looking at this particular parable. Now, uh, we've seen that the servants asked the master uh, concerning the the parable of the wheat and the tares. He asked them, did you not sow good seed in the field? Then that was followed up was how then does it have tares? And uh, you notice Christ's... An enemy uh, has done this. An enemy has done it Mm -hmm. is Christ's uh, explanation. But then there's a third question here that I think is so significant. Do you want us to go and gather them up? Uh, And to me, I interpret this another way do you want us to fix the, the problem. problem now how easy it is i mean you know i've heard so many people say look you know uh, if he's all powerful if he's all loving why doesn't he just fix the problem here is being asked to fix the problem but his answer is really is really significant here he says no not yet let them both grow together until, until the, harvest. the harvest. Why do you? I mean, to me, I struggle with that. I mean, God could, if you like, push a stop evil button right now. I, I mean, what's the? Uh, I mean, what's the story? I mean, why doesn't he? 
Well, I think the answer to that is found in Second Peter 3, where it says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. However, I think there's another point too that needs to be made here. And that is, even though the workers in the field think they know which are the wheat and which are the tares, in pulling up the tares, they could also be pulling up the wheat. Mm. And I think that's something to think about. That that tells me that God has not given us the role of judging others mm. because even the most difficult person um, that we may think could be reaching out after God. Now, if we decide that they're a tear, we're putting ourselves in a situation where God might be calling, where the wheat has been sown, has yet to produce its full harvest. And um, we're denying them the opportunity to do that. I believe that's another valid reason why he told them not to pull up the tears because you might be pulling up the wheat along with it. I appreciate what you're actually saying there because uh, you know that passage in Peter I think is so absolutely vital yeah, important. God you know sometimes yeah. I've actually asked, you know, I, I've actually spoken to, to young people on this subject and I've, I've said to them I said look, hey, um you know, I mean you've got God. I mean for example, I mean imagine you had a stop evil button. Uh and I've said to our young people, yeah. uh, would you push it for Adolf Hitler, and they say yes, yes, yes. Uh, would you? What about for Stalin? Would you? Pu- yes, push it for Stalin. I said, you know, and then I, I fo- follow on with uh, uh, a few more questions. I say to these uh, to the young people, look, hey, would you push it for the young man who's struggling with pornography? Mm. And they immediately look at me and say, well, some of them are struggling with pornography. That's right. And I say, hey, you know, would you push it for the person struggling with pornography? Well, I said, don't you believe it's evil? And they say, oh, would you push it for the person who speaks against you on the internet and, right. uh, and, and depreciates Social your name? Media. And they look and they, because they know that this is something they also are guilty of. And, yeah. um, they say, and then comes in this passage, which I think you've correctly, so correctly identified, you know, where second Peter talks about the Lord is not willing that any, any should, should perish. perish. Why doesn't he delay? According to Peter, he delays because so he is not willing repentance. that any should perish, but that all might should. come to repentance. You see, uh, what we're so conscious of here is that Christ uh, wants to be able to give people more than they've ever asked or think. Yeah. Yes, he wants to give them um, a a quality life here, but he also wants to give them a quality life eternally. And, you know, to me, as I look at that particular passage of Scripture, I say, hey, that explains for me why this is actually a process. God's redemption is a process. It's not a single point. At no, any point in time. No, no. You know, I, I love what Peter does. Actually, I think you've correctly identified. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah. really, really good. Look, Brenton, we are running out of time. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you now. I want to say thank you uh, for being our Lord. Thank you for being our God. Lord, thank you for being the one who's prepared to just simply wait. Uh, who is prepared to yes, work Lord. for our mm. salvation, mm. who's prepared uh, to work for for us and having a better day, yes. uh, Lord, I pray. Lord, if there's anybody out there who is struggling uh, with with this issue of sin, Lord, if it's weighing on their conscience, Lord, right now, if in their mind they're saying to you, forgive me, Lord, I pray, 
I claim your promise. Yes. I pray that you might forgive them right now. I pray that you might give them peace mm. uh, because in peace there is healing. Yes. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when our good friend uh, Nick and Tracy uh, is, are going to be asking uh, how uh, did does Christ want to resolve pain in the here and now? Because, do you know, Christ does want us uh, to resolve pain in the here and now. Really look forward to your being with us. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Yes. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.